This is the War on 94 Sports Podcast, your weekly dose of everything Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Now, here are your hosts, Frank Fernandez and Evan Schlanser. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Another episode of the War on 94 podcast is here. It's Frank with Evan, as always, here to bring you everything in the world of Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Evan, how you feeling? Two words, like shit. (laughs) I think I'm not the only one. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But fall fall allergy season is my hell and... That is where we are currently. Mm. Uh, I spend a grand total of like two and a half hours in my parents' house and like 10 of those minutes outside on Labor Day because it was crappy and bad weather here in Cleveland. Uh, but that just so happened to be like feet away from the biggest ragweed bush population you've ever seen. And so my body hates me right now. But beyond that, I'm pretty excited because uh, we watched a good soccer game over the weekend, good football game over the weekend. Manchester United, my boys beat yours 3-1. I'll take that. You're wearing the shirt. Got to rub it in. Yeah, Still top no, of the league? Still top for now. We'll see. Four wins on the bounce. If you told me that a month ago, I would not have believed you. I would have straight up laughed in your face. But the vibes are good at Old Trafford currently, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're here. We're ready to do a, a American football podcast, though, only. Oh, yeah. Big time American football vibes. NFL season kicks off probably by the time you're listening to this on Thursday against Rams, against the Bills in Los Angeles. I'm very excited. We were just talking off pod about how it feels like it's been so long since we've gotten NFL football in our lives. The Super Bowl feels like a decade ago at this point so much has happened in the world so much has happened in our worlds yeah yeah so me me crying about the demise of the packers in early january seems worlds away at this point lots of baseball basketball talk has been done since we since that glorious night when i received a facetime call from you (laughs) and the packers were bounced Uh, it was beautiful beautiful thing let's not waste any more time Let's get into it. We'll do the best thing we saw this week. Uh, I'll go first. Quickly, my best thing, the best rivalry in the state of Illinois, and some might say the country, was renewed on Friday night in Niles, Illinois. The Notre Dame Dons took on the St. Patrick Shamrocks in a good old-fashioned slobber knocker. (laughs) Two teams that just straight up do not like each other. And Notre Dame proved superior once again, a thrashing 35 to 13. The Shamrocks hightailed their way back to the northwest side of Chicago and the Dons led by the Richardi twins at quarterback and running back respective respectively got the dub. Awesome to see. Love to see Notre Dame beat St. Pat's. I don't care how old I am. It's always a good feeling. I was up in Wisconsin this weekend with a couple of Shamrocks and got to rub it in their face a little bit. 
yeah, I mean, Heck great yeah. vibes. Uh, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you ever heard of Sloche. He's a uh, YouTuber. He does like like Ball is Life esque content. Oh, okay. Like mic- hoop mixtapes, and like goes to games and records from like on the floor. And he is all like Illinois high school basketball and football mostly. And he was at the game on Friday, and the Notre Dame fans were the student section was it was glorious. Always come out in full force, um, but especially for St. Pat's. So really cool to see. Now they play the number one team in Illinois this weekend, Mount Carmel. So yeah, Oof. Notre Dame. So it should be another great atmosphere and hopefully another victory. Go Dons. Shout out to um, the local boys. High school football time. Yeah. That sounds Hell way yeah. more exciting than my 36-hour fever dream of a road trip to Maryland because we <laughs> apparently can't find enough <laughs> local teams to play. <laughs> But yeah, we're 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 big Don's fans here. Go Don's. Go Don's. I'm gonna stick with a football role. You your best thing, yeah. Yeah. We're we're doing a lot of football this podcast, if you didn't guess that already. And I'm gonna talk college football because we're you know, just going like step by step. You're gonna go high school, I'm gonna go college, then we'll talk pro the rest of the way. Uh my best thing I saw was just the hilarity of college football as a whole. There were many games that were down to the wire, you know, exciting, exciting finish to finish. I remember turning in late Sunday night to the LSU game when they tied it up uh, with mere seconds to go to lose on the extra point miss. Uh, Just games like that all over the slate. But I think my favorite one was the Appalachian State, North Carolina game. Appalachian State's a team that will forever be remembered for their miraculous upset of Michigan many moons ago when mm-hmm. Michigan was, a, I think, number two or number three in the nation at the time uh, in the big house. But they tried to take it to North Carolina this weekend. And by tried to take it, I mean they didn't really wake up until the fourth quarter when they, after being down by about 20 points, put up 40 points in the quarter alone to all to fall short 63 to 61 in a classic low scoring basketball game played on a football field. I mean, it just, it felt like it was one incredulous turn after another. And I mean, North Carolina, like I said, they're, they were down, they're up 20 going into the quarter. And with a team like Appalachian state putting up 40 on you, you got to score themselves. So they scored 22 and that's a combined total of 66 points in the quarter. Whoa. Appalachian State, I believe, had a two-point conversion to tie the game at one point on the on the comeback trail and converted it. And then they had the I know I, I, I the highlight is this kicking, kicking out my mind. I thought they had one to go ahead at some point, but it, it might have been another second one to tie it up. And the ball was delivered like right where it needed to be. It was a little like kind of fake and find the like the guy lined up in the fullback position out in the flat, like away from the run of play kind of thing. And mm. just the quarterback just sailed him by like a half an inch. Like oh. he'd, he'd want that ball back. Like, and, and I mean, nine times out of 10, he makes the throw. He can play, completes it easy, but just sailed just that bit over his receiver's hands and harmlessly into the end zone. And that was, that was that North Carolina escaped quite a game. Uh, I mean, that's a scoreline you rarely see in college football. I think the only yeah. other one that I've seen higher than that is that like seven overtime thriller between LSU and Texas A&M a few years ago. 
63 oh to 61. Oh, my God. I is, forgot about that game. Right? That was in the 70s, I think. 75, 72 or something yeah, like that. 70, yeah, 74, 72, I think was the final Something score. like that, yeah. You you don't see this. This is no. this is this is why college football is college football. And meanwhile, I think Iowa was, was up like six, three or finished their game, like six, nothing on somebody. <laughs> no, it was, it was three to three and they got two straight safeties to win seven to three. Oh yes. Yes. Of course. Just, just your, uh, just your everyday Classic Iowa college ball. football game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Iowa football, baby go Hawkeyes. Yeah. So, I mean, who's going to be mad about 124 points in a college football game? Not me. Yeah. Well, love to see love it. Love to see it. Oh yeah, glad to have college football back. We were we were talking and saying how we're so happy to now have Premier League mornings, college football afternoons, as the same with Premier League Sundays leading in to NFL Sundays, which leads me into our NFL preview. <laughs> I'm getting really good with these transitions. You're I hope really you're good. keeping that's, up. That's two episodes in keep, a row of killer. Transitions. And everyone at home, keep it up. Keep up. Put that down in the record books. That's back-to-back weeks with killer transitions. Back-to-back, um, baby. We'll start with just a quick housekeeping update. Arlington Heights update. Mm. Bears have officially released their first rendering of Arlington Park, as it is called. First of all, I will say, I don't know if you've looked at it. It looks sick. I saw it is light rendering. It's a huge it's, development. It's very cool. Huge. The development is huge. I love it. Yeah, it's huge development. Shopping housing entertainment and then of course the 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 main peace day resistance the domed stadium oh come on you gotta have your um, french accent better than that peace de resistance <laughs> there you go much better loved it <laughs> yes so uh the domed stadium is the you know everyone is looking at that what what is that going to look like they are going to be sparing no expense they said my favorite part they're not going to be looking for money from taxpayers that's what that's their pledge they are going to be just they're look forward to working with they said they're going to do direct stadium structure construction is not going to be for public funding they're going to look forward to partnering with the various governmental bodies to secure additional funding and assistance needed to support the feasibility of the remainder of the development. Lots of lingo in there. You know, they have to be very legal legalese when they're talking about this thing because it's not all set in stone. They still have a they still have a lease with Soldier Field. They said they're going to honor their lease. We'll see how long that really cuz that <laughs> lease goes until like 2028 20, or something like that. I I really don't see them honoring that. Well, I, Obviously, it takes a long time to build a stadium, to build this whole development. It's going to be a good couple of years yeah. before they are moving into this place. But this is the f- – and they said they have no desire to look at other stadium sites and they are not looking at renovation of Soldier Field. That is not – you know, those – I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago – you know, Lori Lightfoot in the city of Chicago kind of put forward the, their own rendering of what Soldier Field could become. It looked very interesting, but they the Bears have said they are not looking to stay in their current location, and they are pretty much all in on this Arlington Heights move. They do have – I know Thursday night they have a community meeting, so if you're in the area and you want to go hear the Bears talk – about this whole development and they're doing like a public forum type thing um, at Hersey high school in Arlington Heights. 
kind of cool kind of getting the community involved obviously it's going to be a huge thing for the community it's supposed to create mm-hmm. about 50,000 jobs and it'll just do i think it'll just do great things for the economy the city of chicago you know the the city of arlington heights going to allow the bears it's going to allow not only the bears to you know move there but it's going to allow you know final fours college oh, football yeah. playoff mm-hmm. super bowl championships you know Big Ten, exa- oh my God, the Big Ten is probably salivating over the idea of being able to have USC versus Notre Dame at the Arlington Heights Stadium uh, in 2029. They're so goosed up about that for sure. Oh yeah, Just they would love to move from Indy. Housekeeping thing, that the lease runs till 33, mm-hmm. oh, but okay. they can exit it as soon as 2026 for $84 million payout. Oh, you know that's happening. Yeah, that is that's where they're looking at. Because you you think about these big time projects like this, right? It's it's in the conceptual phase. There's no real concrete plans. I mean, the development as a concept looks beautiful. Like you know, you, you talked about the apartments, the shopping, the be, way to just create uh, a town that, with this kind of funding. And I do appreciate the mm-hmm. wanting to, from a political or a political and a public infrastructure standpoint. I do appreciate wanting the allocation of taxpayer dollars or what would come from taxpayer dollars to be for things that directly benefit the community more than just a stadium. Yeah, that is, that's awesome. I love that. Especially for a suburb like Arlington Heights that, you know, I'm sure would love the investment, but yeah. And is not, and, and, and is not necessarily hurting no. for that kind of thing. They're not but hurting also at all, it but does, it certainly it does help, you know, the the community. Yeah, for sure. It puts them on a broader map of, you know, of American spots to go, right? But I think like I mean, you look at this the stadium looks like a literal cake in its current rendering that they drew today. <laughs> but that's fine because it's early on and and a project like this like mm-hmm. on a good timeline takes I would say 4 to 5 years to finish. Like from to get from where we are today to a stadium you can play football in like 2027 as we stand currently probably is a good a good timeline it might even go longer than that yeah so yeah it's 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 something to monitor because it's it feels like it's in the the stages of the wheels are turning uh it would be interesting to have a then lambo be the only non-dome stadium in the division Mm. i mean that's not changing anytime soon but does that that'll I, that uh, you know just one of those things that you feel like NFC North is like this tough like grit in the winter kind of thing, but you know oh yeah bear weather they always talk about yeah exactly but now you play in Arlington Heights in a dome and get the Vikings and Lions doing the same thing in in permanently closed stadiums what what happened to that brand of football huh. <laughs> you know gotta gotta change with the times it's oh, time yeah. to go fast and uh yeah speaking of let's get into a little nfc north well bears and packers preview we're going to do instead of going kind of full you know breakdown of every position and blah blah blah, where everything stands we're going to do best case scenario worst case scenario of the 2022-23 season Um, we'll start with the bears so my best case scenario for the bears this year is that come thanksgiving and they show that playoff graphic the Bears are in the hunt. They might be the last team on that hunt, <laughs> but there are going to be three wild card spots this year. And if the Bears are in that hunt come Thanksgiving, that I will be beyond expectations. You know, that'll that'll exceed my wildest 
scenarios, but it's best case scenario. So what does that look like, Evan? You know, what does, what has to happen for the bears to get in that scenario? Well, the first and most important thing is going to be Justin Fields is who we think he is. And that is he develops at this pace. We, we all assume he will or hope he will. He gets the offense built around him through Luke Getze and the Bears are able to work to his strengths, which is play action. I'm using the run game to create play action and allowing him to make plays with his feet, get out of the pocket, and show off the athletic ability that got him to be one of the most sought-after quarterback prospects in his class. So I think if you if if all those things come together, you're looking at you know a great chance at the bears being in the, in the scenario that I'm hoping they're in. That is my best case. You know, like if he's able to develop at the pace, we hope he is going to, then the bears are going to be doing good things. Like, I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Do you, would you say that's the most important thing when it comes to like yeah, a best case the most, for the bears? The most pivotal, pivotal path to success for this team is Justin Fields becoming the superstar that everyone's touted him to be. Mm-hmm. I just wonder when you say in the hunt, like, like, is that an in the hunt of like, wow, we have a real shot at at doing this and we deserve to be there or like, oh, I mean, technically we're still alive, but does anybody really think we can get there? What is your, what is. Yeah, I just, I think in the hunt means that they are, that everyone is looking at them like, wow, the bears have really surprised us. You know, the, the offense has been able to put things together despite the fact that everyone thinks it's one of it's a bottom five unit in the league. Another thing is that the offensive line is is you know surprises people and they're protecting Justin Fields, giving him time to throw. Um, the the running game is you know at or above where everyone thinks it is. I mean that's probably when everyone looks at sort of the just the offense in general, the running game between Herbert. Montgomery and now Trent Ebner, who's the new rookie running back. You know, you look at those, those that trio and you're like, that's what should, we should be focusing on the offense. And I think that's what Luke Getze has in mind is to, you know, run the ball primarily, create play action opportunities for Justin Fields, and then use him where, you know, put him in situations where he can succeed and not try to turn him into a pocket passer or, you know, keep him you know, standing back, doing a three-step drop and looking for somebody like this isn't a team that has spectacular wide receivers. Like they have one good, could be great wide receiver Mm -hmm. and a lot of question marks, Mm -hmm. Um, including another guy who I have as a key person to this team having success this season. And that's Cole Komet. I think he's in his, you know, he's in his third season. And I think that the Bears offense is going to have a lot more focus on getting him involved, especially in the red zone. I've talked about this already, but I think if all works out to plan, Cole Komet should realistically be number two in targets for the Bears behind Darnell Mooney. I think he should be the guy who Justin Fields can look to in any given situation and say, where's Cole Komet? If I find him, good things can happen. So if he can make that step and, you know, become a guy who Fields can use as his safety net, then I think we're going to be looking at a very, um, you know, a good scenario for this team. 
Yeah, it's certainly within the well, within the realm of possibility. I don't want to rule anything else, anything out mm-hmm. when you've seen talent at at certain key positions on this team. I just I just wonder. I'm looking to make sure I don't get ahead of myself. But for the offense, like, do you think Cole Komet's value becomes it comes from? Like especially, I think I can think maybe I'm approaching this more from a fantasy realm, but it is still realistically realm too. Like he got to you know to be good in fantasy, he's got to bring production. Do you think the production for him being the number two target comes from something of where like he 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 is good and warrants that kind of activity, or he's the only guy that Fields can find quick enough before the offensive line just collapses around him? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it comes I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think last year we saw flashes. 60 catches, 612 yards receiving. Like that's a good, you know, level to get you at going into your third year. Now you're the main tight end. There's no more Jimmy Graham. Like I couldn't even name another guy who's a tight end on this team right now on the depth chart. I think a lot of it comes from a lack of weapons in the receiving core, but I also think it comes from Cole Komet being a guy who you look at and say, that guy should be succeeding in the NFL. He should be, he has all the physical tools. He is a guy who was very successful in college. He warranted a the, the spot where he was drafted in the third round. And I think that now is the time to show, like, I was worth that pick. It's your third year. Mm. You know, he's young. He is extremely athletic, great hands. I think if they can start targeting him, him more in the red zone, we're going to see a lot more of Cole Komet celebrating touchdowns this season yeah there's no doubt it's not up or shut up time for him where he is mm-hmm. in his contract so that's more the offensive side of things w- what defensively has to happen for this team to reach its ceiling and and be be at the point where the eternal optimist in you is 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 validated come november when thanksgiving rolls mm-hmm. around and there's still bears football to be excited about yeah yeah, I think the most important thing is going to be the turnovers. If they can create turnovers on the defensive side of the ball, similar to I think of the of 2017, which was the year before the Bears hired Matt Nagy and won the division. I talk about it all the time. But in 2017, <laughs> the defense really took uh, like kind of turned the corner. This was before Khalil Mack. This was before Roquan Smith. But uh, Akeem Hicks was like the best guy on the defensive side of the ball. And they were able to create turnovers. This was Eddie Jackson's rookie year. And just being able to take the ball away kept them in a lot of games. And I think that was something that Matt Eberflus and the Indianapolis Colts defense, especially last season, really thrived on, was being able to, you know, create havoc on the defensive side of the ball, get to the quarterback, create turnovers. And then that led to, you know, Jonathan Taylor getting the ball in good positions and their offense being able to, you know, do well. I, I, I hope that now that I think about it, I hope this bears team, I mean, obviously I'm not expecting Dave Montgomery to run for 1800 yards. Like that's <laughs> not really in the realm of like, I love realism, Monty, but he is not I'm, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah. But, right. But if this team could kind of reflect a, a similar build to like the Indianapolis Colts of recent times, where you know they're run heavy they have a solid couple receivers and a good tight end I mean Justin Fields I would say already I mean stop me if I'm wrong he already has the you know the tools and the potential to be better than 
a Carson Wentz. I would hope. Well, he's not ready to throw a two-yard screen pass for an interception, so I think I would agree <laughs> with you on that one too. On his own two-yard so line, like mind you. Bringing in a guy like Eberflus, who has been in the game, in the coaching game for, you know, almost half his life. This is not some thirty-three-year-old hotshot offensive coordinator. Like, this is a guy who's been in in locker rooms, in winning locker rooms, who has created great defensive units out of almost nothing. And now he has the opportunity to turn this bears defense into something to fear. You know, you you hope that that's when the bears are at their best. It's when the defense is causing havoc. And we've seen that. I've seen that in every great bears team and even good bears team in my lifetime has had a, has been defense first. So if we can be defense first, running ba- running game first, and then have a guy like Justin Fields back there running the show, I think we're going to be in that best case spot. Come come Thanksgiving, I'll be sitting there eating turkey and dreaming about the Bears making a run to the playoffs. <laughs> and aside from that being relevant to, and potentially dreaming about a, a playoff run with a month left in the season, what what – concretely win wise does this best case scenario look like for you i'd say at best i want to be real like i want to be realistic i'd say like eight wins i really don't i can't really see them breaking through to that nine win mark like just based on their schedule but also even being in the hunt come that time you know I, you know, four out of the last five games at home that always, you know, puts you in a good spot when it comes to kind of if you're in a position to be fighting for a a spot in the postseason, you you want to have home games, especially late in the year in Chicago. We talked about bear weather, Mm. but in all actuality i would say best case scenario for this team we win six games i'll be happy yeah no six 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 seven is the ceiling i see this is a team that has a potential in a division that's not super strong aside from Mm -hmm. you know obviously the packers we'll get to in a second and and generally a conference isn't strong i haven't looked closely at the bears schedule but if you think about where they finished last year and and how schedules traditionally line up i'm sure there's some challenging games on there but you're going to have a game against sure you know, you're going to have some, you're going to have some games when then, and for a team where the bears are sitting right now, those are the teams you kind of want to, you know, prove yourself against the, mm-hmm. the likes of the Texans, the likes of the, the, the dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I giants, mean, yeah, giants, dolphins, Falcons, jets, like, yeah, these are all teams. The bears play, you know, the last four out of five though is, I mean, that's, I was mentioning it. It's, it's tough. Oh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. Packers, oh yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Packers, Eagles, bills, lions, Vikings, like that's no walk in the park. So, I mean, if the bears can be beating the teams that you would look at and say, you know, the bears should beat these teams like a giants, a commanders, a commanders, absolutely, yeah. Against the one Carson a Texans, Wentz. like, I mean, they should be beating the Lions. There's realistic, like, if we're looking at, like, they should, you know. Well, and I but, think I think Lions fans would sit and say the same thing back to you. But there's plenty of games on this schedule right. that look 
like a game that a Bears team who is young and wanting Winnable. to prove something could 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 realistically win. So seven, yeah. six, seven is not out of the realm of possibility. I would say that's where I'd be most comfortable pushing them to. Uh, like I said, eight right. feels sketchy, but um, yeah, I mean, six, seven win team with some minor improvements from Fields and and most importantly, I don't want to spoil where you're going to get to in the worst case scenario, but him him escaping injury behind that offensive line, like that's. That's mm-hmm. that's productive and unfortunately and that's yeah. you know we've 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 sat and had very frustrated podcasts the same you know October November December about this Bears team and how they've not lived up to expectations and how they pretended to be a playoff team mm-hmm. and they're not this feels like a season where we can sit back at the beginning of it and go okay we know we're not that let's go be a team yeah. that can show that they're on the up right like if if we yes. get to that yes. time of year and we're sitting at like 3 wins and you're not even close to the playoff picture like we might get the same november angry podcast that we normally get but right that's that's for later down the road and i i have i for for your sake and and for general football's sake pray that doesn't happen yeah i mean honestly win six games get a top 10 draft pick and go into the offseason with a hundred million dollars in cap space i'm happy sounds like a good spot to be now let's talk worst case <laughs> worst case scenario Bears go two and fifteen, and it's due to injuries. Injuries, injuries, injuries. I that's like what comes to mind. Offensive line is frankly bad and has the potential to like be average, but we saw it last year. I mean, Justin Fields just might be running for his life a lot of the time this season. Um, and that scares me to no end reminds me a lot of David Carr uh, with the Texans just Mm. getting thrown around sacked to oblivion and yeah, just giving him no time to develop. And then when he is getting a chance, he's rushing, he's, you know, creating turnovers and not showing the development that everyone hopes. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with the bears being among one of the worst teams in the NFL in the worst case scenario. And that also comes with another factor, the situation with Roquan Smith. Mm. You know, we saw it at the, in the, in the big, you know, couple weeks ago, he was sitting out uh, holding in actually, you know, was demanding a new contract publicly saying the bears, you know, have not held realistic conversations with him, you know, that it would damage the linebacker market yada 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 and then my fear is that he doesn't gel with the coaching staff he doesn't gel with ryan poles he is uninterested in you know working with this team and and his play suffers from it and if he's playing poorly i feel like that'll reflect on the rest of the defense and the bears become a a team that their opponents can come in and you know put up a lot of points and, you know, results in the bears being out of a lot of games pretty quickly. So, I mean, those are the two main things, the injuries and, and that sort of distraction with the contract situation for Roquan. And we finished two and 15. We get the number one pick. We might be looking at trying to get a new quarterback in here yeah. and starting it over again <laughs> with a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. I say you might be looking at another Ohio State quarterback. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what comes to mind as far as worst case. And, yeah, I mean, 
what I mean, what are your th- like when you when you look at this team, when you look at the way this roster is constructed, what seems more like where do you land as far as like a realistic amount of wins? Well, let's see. So we're looking in a in a group that I have. We do over under drafts, which represent Vegas mm-hmm. lines. So going to sure. there to pull the Bears Vegas like six and a half for the Bears. Mm-hmm. For me, if I'm going to the the betting polls tomorrow, I'm taking the under on that. They seem like a four to six win team. It kind of depends on results. The biggest fear, and I think I said it last podcast, and I've hinted at this podcast already, is I just look at that offensive line and just shit bricks. Like that's that's the plain and simple of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It does not it does not produce successful results when you have that to start. It doesn't matter. You could have whoever you want at wide receiver, running back, or skill positions. Fields will be dancing for his life on near every play. Right. And then you bring it up, you look at you're you're asking them him to then help supply two guys who have shown that they have potential in them but have not yet broken out in, you know, cliche terms, you know, haven't shown productive stud or or you know, reliable NFL seasons yet in Komet and Mooney as the first two passing options. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I worry that that is going to get them out of games way faster than they can they can handle. And these games that we just said they should win become games that they're not close to winning. And I don't want to sit here and say you will be looking for a new quarterback because I believe in fields. I believe he should be given the chance to play out his rookie contract, knowing where this team lies currently as going into year two, mm-hmm. that you can't look at the end of the 16-game season unless he's truly displayed bad quarterbacking. I don't think you can look at him and say he's the problem. I think it's going to be a product of the team around him that causes him to not succeed. I think he will he will be good. He will be good in spite of what's happening, not because of what's happening and he won't be or like or he'll be good in spite of what's happening, not bad because of what's happening, if that makes sense. Sure. So, I don't know. My my outlook, I think I th- I think 5 to 6 feels like as a Bears fan, you can be, as we just said, happy about that. Like, this was a fine season. We'll, you know, lick our wounds. We know we have to improve. We have the cap space and the ability to do so and attack the offseason and see what comes. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I re- like you said, I realistically see six wins. Yeah. Like, that's that's what feels like a, a, a good number to be at. You know, it's same as last year, I, I if I'm not mistaken. Um, if we can get a top 10 pick be in a good position, you know, fields develops. He is someone who, you know, offensive weapon free agents can look at and be like, Oh, I'd love to go play with that guy. Like that's my like goal. I would say would be for the season is to make Justin Fields be not only the bears to be a destination, but Justin Fields to be a guy who people are like, Oh, I'd love to go Mm -hmm. play with him. Mm Kind of like, kind of like this off season. I know it wasn't like the best or sexiest names, but like, like kind of like how Jacksonville was this off season. Well, let's be real. That's because they they said, (laughs) I'd love to go play for that amount of money, which if you have a hundred million in cap space, you might be able to do the same thing next year, but we might be doing that (laughs) same thing. Right. Christian Kirk in no world said, I want to play with Trevor Lawrence. And also said, it's also in no world said, yes, this is the amount of money I deserve. It said Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. It said, Oh, you're giving me that much. Where do I sign? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Now let's talk Packers. Definitely a much different best case scenario for your side of the ball. Yeah. Different from the Bears, but same as to what it's right. always been. The, no, 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 no. Of course, the expectation of course. in Packer land for the past 30 years and somehow, you know, again, you want to you tell you tell the old me that this is the case and I'll laugh in your face. I didn't believe this would be the case as we lost to San Francisco last year in the playoffs, but the the it is it's Super Bowl or bust. As long as 12 is on the roster yeah. and he still is and still has about 3 or 4 more years maximum that's what the contract says he could retire at any time but as long as he's in green bay driving that golf cart around with bakhtiari sitting in the back seat playing despacito drinking ayahuasca he yeah super bowl ayahuasca by the way yeah Get I mean, it right. I, come on now it, how dare you Get your what is it ayahuasca ayahuasca no 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 s in there huaca? there's no huas? yeah it's weird it's ayahuasca hmm agree or disagree no i'm just kidding all right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I told I I couldn't agree more. It's no matter, you know, I know obviously the loss of Devontae Adams weighs heavy on, you know, on this team. I still think that Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback who could make just about anybody look good. And he's done it his whole career. He is able to put balls in spots that nobody else can. And he finds a way he he throws you open oh, yeah. like he will throw a Christian Watson, a Romeo Dubs, an Alan Lazard open. A Sammy Watkins. A Sammy Watkins. Starting perhaps. day wide receiver one, Sammy Watkins. Get it. Don't get it twisted. No, no twist over <laughs> here. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think in the if everything goes to plan, especially with the the talent and the the ability on this on this defense. Oh yeah, that we saw that we saw last year. This team has everything to be right there as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you said it already. Quarterback is the number one reason. Back to back MVPs does lose his top target, but plenty of talent in to replace it in potential at least. So best case scenario and how we get there. I mean, you start you. Well, we'll start with the quarterback. The chemistry mm. develops, right? The the thing you're looking at is you have one, if not two of those rookies that have been touted all preseason by Rodgers himself, at least on Dobbs' case, Rodgers himself. Christian hasn't been in enough to to really get that. But the expectation, the expectations are high, and they were drafted with the pedigree to be able to hit on those expectations with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers throwing to them. And you have the you know the best case scenario is you have the chemistry clicking, and you have those two in some conversation for rookie of the year award because they're producing that well and being that much of a difference mm-hmm. maker to this offense. It just start. It will be a team that leans heavily on the run. There's a piece up today reinforcing this uh, by Matt, Matt Schneiderman, the, the Packers beat writer for the athletic, but he refers to his conversation with uh, Jones and Dylan as the, as the, you know, the talking about the pro bowl running back tandem, because they both have that caliber and LaFleur referred to him previously as the 1A and the 1A. So it'll be a lot of early run game to start because these are you have two very talented running backs who can take pressure off of that passing game while the receivers are still learning on the fly. But by week six, seven, eight, you want that to be firing on all cylinders and you want this to be something down the stretch as like a lethal, potent weapon. 
in order for that to happen, though, I would say the biggest thing is the O line, as currently constructed, has to stay healthy. Which mm-hmm. we talked last podcast about Bakhtiari and his ups and downs. He is named as the starting left tackle on the unofficial depth chart that was put out today. So on opening day in Minnesota, you're going to see if all goes right, Bakhtiari from left to right. You're going to see Bakhtiari, Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and Elton Jenkins, which is that's what they want. That's a really, really good line. And with you have guys like Nyman and Tom to back it up. That's that's when the Packers will be successful because it will give time for Rodgers to find those receivers and for those receivers to figure out where they need to go and protect for that run game that has been so instrumental with Aaron Jones and Dylan the past two years producing the way they can. And you know, it just you need to find every ounce of production you can from this offense on both you know in both the pass and the run game, or else you know when you come into November December against the Rams, against the Cowboys, against the Bucks against maybe the Eagles, like, you know, you could find yourself in a hole very quickly against the Niners, right? Who knows what happens with Trey Lance, and that's been our bogey team for three, four seasons at this point, going back even further. Yeah. Shades of Colin Kaepernick, right? You know, you have to have a team that's ready to go by the time, you know, by the time time a playoff game rolls around, whether it's at home or on the road, like, ready to score points at will because that has been the one thing that seems to escape us coming the postseason – the past few seasons is the ability, the ineffectiveness of the offense when coming up against playoff and Super Bowl caliber caliber defenses. And then defensively, I think everyone just has to stay healthy. You said you mentioned the defensive stoutness last year. That's been incredible in the longevity of Rogers' success and Lafleur's immediate dominance. Right? I mean, he's the most. I think mm-hmm. the winningest coach over his first three seasons or four seasons in the league at this point. Yeah, but the defense beefed up this offseason right you mid-season last year or in season last year you found rasul douglas and you found devondre campbell that turned out to be surprise signings and they both are surprise contributors and they both came back and signed deals then you add Devonte wyatt in the draft you add the running back who's or the linebacker whose name is now escaping me quay walker both from georgia you get the you know the double georgia boys quay walker is is listed as the opening day middle linebacker pairing with campbell why it is is mm. currently a depth piece but i mean this team has depth and pass rush depth in linebacker room now suddenly and actually weirdly enough it's the cornerbacks in the secondary that looks light on paper which which is not to say they're devoid of talent the top end guys are heavily productive i mean stokes and jair and then you add rasul douglas as i just said earlier but if one of those guys goes down that's where it gets really dicey so the secondary needs to stay yeah. healthy and the, the safety is that we you know you're relying on you're relying on Amos and Savage. Those guys need to stay healthy too, and that's you know defensive dominance. That's what needs to be needs to be established from from day one. And I think if all those lie into place, I mean you know it's not hard to see this team repeating for a playoff spot. You know the, somehow they retained all their guys and got stronger while the conference got weaker. You know you look at the top guys. What like I said, it's it's the four division winners and like maybe a wild card challenge that it gets hot in the end of the end of the season and and rips off you know rips off a few wins but it's it's pretty clear that it's the rams packers cowboys and uh, yeah and bucks at this point so the best case scenario path is there would you disagree yeah for sure no i i completely agree i think i mean honestly when i look at it the nfc west definitely seems like a division that could have 
two to three teams coming out of it if all goes well for Arizona. But realistic, you know, contenders for the Packers to be coming out of this conference. I mean, I really I don't even know if I even put the Cowboys in that situation in that conversation. I think they have all the I think they have the 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 talent and they have a lot of guys with a lot of name recognition. But I don't know. I think the Bucks I think it's Bucks, Packers and Rams and then Dark Horse 49ers. Like sure. that's my four. Yeah. And outside of those, I mean, I think the Packers just you put Aaron Rodgers up against any of those guys. Tom Brady, I mean, obviously he's 45 years old. He's got to stop at some point. And I just think the Packers have as much talent as anyone to, you know, get out of there with a, with a shot at the Super Bowl come February. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, it's you know, laying out this best case scenario is, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to say all these things, but or it's it's easy to see where it comes from, but obviously still a lot of things have to mm-hmm. go right. Um, I will say the one thing that probably plays the biggest key role and, and Packers fans close your ears, but special teams has been the emphasis all off season after that. I mean, shocking display and you saw it coming, right? I think I sat after, what was it? Week? It was a game. It was the Bengals game. I don't remember what week it was, but he was like, I can see it mm-hmm. now. Special teams are going to lose us this playoffs. And my worst nightmares came true. They spent a ton of emphasis on upping that this offseason, at least in rehiring Rich Passaccia, the, the Raiders' previous interim head coach and special teams coach, who is very touted, has come in and changed the attitude. I think there's been more um, emphasis on playing veterans, excuse me, in the special team role, but general punter is still a question. Uh, Mason Crosby has won the kicking job out of camp, which should not be as comforting as that statement was five years ago. Um, and, and much to my surprise, Amari Rogers has made the roster and he's marked his return man number one uh, for both punts and kicks. So um, that I think is this, I would say that is number one in passing game overall success is number two as to where the biggest variability comes in, in the Packers, uh, you know, range of outcomes. Definitely. Um, and then when it comes to a, if we're talking worst case scenario, um, what leads to that for the Packers and what, what does it look like for worst case scenario? Um, if this team isn't fighting for that Super Bowl like we think yeah, they well, might be. I think I think this will this team will be fighting for a Super Bowl until it isn't. Uh worst case scenario for the Packers, I mean aside from the Mike McCarthy year when everything in, imploded and they finished 6-9 and 1, uh they've been in and around the playoff hunt or they've been in the playoff hunt and in the playoffs, you know, year after year after year. So Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario is still, you know, worst case scenario is still getting to, I think, a first round, or, you know, a first round exit like last year. Like that is, you know, kind of what what is and what that record looks like. I I couldn't tell you. Uh, it kind of depends. But there's as we were just talking, the division's not or the conference as a whole isn't strong enough for the Packers to miss out on a playoff spot without really, really sliding. And I just don't see that happening. Um, I mean, you could convince Mm. me that there's a world where the Vikings finally get their shit together and are able to, you know, challenge 
the Packers and maybe sneak out a, a you know a, a division win on them. But with the competence of that organization as a whole, they just seem to have bad luck follow them everywhere they go. I don't I don't see that as a realistic outcome. So you know, I say first round exit of the playoffs, you you know either either shockingly get a home field game or unfortunately you're on the road and you lose out to a better Rams team or a Niners team that's hit their ceiling. Um, or, you know, you unfortunately father time and is, is still somehow not a, a is John Brady still able to somehow conquer father time and beat you guys, you know, when you have to go down to Tampa or something, but it is, it's the opposite of what I said happening, right? Special teams just becoming a calamity like it was last year. That's step number one. Step number two is the receiving the receiving gamble that is this depth chart of Lazard, Watkins, uh, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubs doesn't pan out. Uh, sorry, shout mm-hmm. out uh, Randall Cobb as well in there in the slot. But you know sure, that's sure, yeah. that's not a on paper that is not a good receiving core. Um, it's a receiving core that has potential and has ability to be good, but it as it stands is not good. And there is a very real chance that that does not become good. Um, you know, what is this camp hype of dubs all about? We'll find out on, on, on Sunday, I guess. Um, does Watson have the ability to get over the fact that he missed half, if not almost all of camp with injury and, and quickly learn on the fly? Um, that might be the most concerning thing because he has all the ability in the world, but there was questions about his technical and route running ability coming into it and his ability to learn a playbook. Um, and you know, you'll still find a ways they still did it with MVS. You find ways to get a physical guy involved into the game, but it, it, you know, you think about 13 and three is just as realistic as 10 and six or nine. And well, those are, those are old NFL records. 13 and four, 14 and three is just as realistic as 10 and seven and, or nine and eight. Um, and being six or seven in the wild card spot and going into a playoff game going, we're going to lose. I mean, you know, that's 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 worst case scenario, which compared to the dichotomy of the Bears is 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 doesn't seem like all that bad. But for a team that has Rogers where they are, and again the cap space situation where it is, that is that is nightmare land. Yeah. And I mean I would say worst case scenario is Rogers shows his age. Mm. And mm-hmm. isn't he I mean there was before these past two back to back MVP seasons there was a two-year dip where everyone was like, well, he's done. He's over the hill. He's he's not going to get back to the place he was. Um, and so that, in my opinion, if we're talking worst-case worst, worst case scenario here, like that is what I think would be the downfall of this team is that Aaron Rodgers, like he is obviously what makes this team go. Everyone knows that. But, I mean, if he starts to show his age, if he – you know, starts to turn the, you know, to turn the page in his career. And we know like he's talked about slowing down and he's ready to, you know, but I mean, obviously in production wise, he hasn't shown that, but that would be, I think would, would be in any scenario, the worst situation for this team is if he's not able to, to make these receivers, into something if he he's relying on two rookie wide receivers to be his two and three um in most scenarios you know it's that's what puts this team in a bad situation yeah for sure uh 
and I hear what you're saying where, where things were a few years ago. People people were thinking that he was done. Maybe they were more hoping he was done. I think two MVPs back to back doesn't have to show you that he can at least still sling it, even if he's not. Oh, for the same, no question, you know, no question. Falling off for him might be not back to that, not back to back to back MVPs, but it might be he slides down to three, four, five, you know, kind of range. Um, you know, and, and say you said it with Brady, you know, 45 year old quarterback father time, got to catch up set somewhere, but he's, Some st- point, he's still, yeah. you know, he's still, I mean, I'm looking at the ringer here just cause it popped up on my page, but you know, they they have him as the fourth best quarterback to start the season. And in Rogers, number mm-hmm. one, like these are two guys that seeming seem to just be breaking every expectation we have. And until, until proven otherwise, that it is it, that is potentially that is not potentially that is the most calamitous thing for this Packers franchise is to have it all built up to at the as best they can run it back and try and win again and have Rodgers just fall off the face of the earth. But until proven otherwise, I don't I don't see that happening. So that's there are far more fixable and preventable problems that have been Achilles heels to this team in the past two, three, four seasons that I, that I would look to before worrying about his uh, ability or lack thereof until I see it. For sure. until I, no, see I, can, it. I totally agree until it's uh, yeah. Until proven otherwise, we're all going to see Rogers as this, you know, guy. I mean, you know, we talk about dips in your, in your production. I mean, the dips in Aaron Rodgers production are still, 4,000 plus yard seasons um, with 25 touchdowns to two interceptions. Like that's a dip Mm -hmm. in production for him. Like, I mean, you would take that anytime, even with an aging quarterback, whatever it might be. I mean, 4,400, you know, 2018, the the Packers go six, nine and one 4,400 yards, 25 touchdowns, two picks. Like you can't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that's, you know, that on on other teams that aren't having the problems that that pack on an average NFL roster that's getting you, I feel like that's a ten win a ten win team with with Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and an average roster with yeah um, right definitely so yeah I mean when was the last time you had single digit interceptions or double digit interceptions once that starts happening then then the concern meter goes up a, a considerable amount two thousand two thousand ten his third year as a starter. <sighs> He had 11 interceptions. And how many touchdowns? Um, 28. Oh, all right. All right. Um, yeah. yeah. And well, and to point out, I think there are, and it, I think people are clouded by the defensive looking side of things because the defense starting wise on paper looks really, really good. Um, there have been claims about this being the best Packers roster that has been assembled under Rodgers, I would say, uh, look at that 2010, 2011 team and, and get back to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's a very solid squad. Um, so the, the window of outcomes with full health is very small and very good looking. Uh, but those expectations still don't mean a difference like like it's you can say it to an uh, average fan right like that's small and good looking like oh your your worst case scenario is losing the first round there will be Packers there will be another angry FaceTime call for me if we are sitting here in January losing first round to whoever the hell it is very very I think I think there will be angry Packers fans if I mean anything other than a Super Bowl 
is going to result in a lot of upset fans and calling for Rogers head well, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, it seems it's that's been the conversation for majority of his career. Regular season, Aaron Rodgers is a god. Postseason, what have you done for me? One NFC championship. One Super Bowl. You know, like yeah. anything less than a Super Bowl championship is going to result in upset fans. No one's going to be well, at this point. Aaron Rodgers is not 27 years old. Like anything less than that is going to result in anger. Not maybe not from you. From from a lot but, of fans. Yes, there are many yeah, fans. It's it, well, he's and I think 30. He, he's almost 40. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's 38 I mean, years old at this. We're past the point of being OK with like I would be past the point of being OK with just. Oh, we made it to the NFC Championship game. Like, it was a good run. Like, no, no that's not no. that's not how the mindset works for this team. No, then it's not how it should work for any. Like you team. said, yeah, no, Super Bowl or bust. It is super, it's always Super Bowl or bust. As long as twelve is under center, it's Super Bowl or bust. And mm-hmm. when those expectations expectations aren't met, which they have not been met since twenty eleven, it results in what exactly what the podcast was in. February, you know, January 17th or whatever the hell date that was. I go back and listen to you. You know how Mm -hmm. it was. You remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, But it's, it's really interesting when you sit back from a global level and look at this, and I'm not trying to take away anything from what you said, but it's, it's insane when you say that he's only got one Super Bowl. like how much that Brady, it puts everything in perspective, right? Like seven is just an absurd, absurd number. Like, yeah, it's for sure. And I don't want to say that that's like, but, I'm not saying this is a caveat or an asterisk. Like they're like, there should absolutely be more from this era of dominance for, for the Packers. When you totally. have two franchise that's, quarterbacks besides two Super Bowls, like that should be a lot more than that. Right. But like, it's just like outside. You can't, you can't compare anyone to Brady really no. in that, in that regard of like winning. But this team, this franchise with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback has had the talent to be winning Super Bowls. I oh, mean, yeah. 20, 2011 season, 2011, 2012, when they go 15 and one, he has 45 touchdowns, yeah, and like lose that the Giants. team. And then they lose in the first round yeah. to the Giants. You know, like this team has had the, the blown Seattle NFC championship game, you know, oh, yeah. the, the fucking dismantling in San Francisco, like last season, the season before like 2020 losing at home to, to Tom Brady. Like, you know, this has, ha- they've had, all the talent, all everything, like so. Yeah, thank you for just bringing up my top five list of worst of sports course. memories all time. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Listen, that is my every. That is what I look forward to in January of every year is the Packers falling apart when it matters most, and Aaron Rodgers going somberly to the podium to discuss, you know, all the things that went wrong. So that that is my Super Bowl. I'll have you know, <laughs> and you're proud of it. Um, but let's let's move on. We can talk. We can wax poetic about the disappointment of the Packers later this season. Um, but realistic, really quick, realistic win total. Um, we said Bears five six. Packers. I'm putting it twelve. That's my realistic win total for them. I think this team. You know, I think Aaron Rodgers still has the juice. I think he is going to make. You still have Aaron Jones mm-hmm. and AJ Dillon, probably the best running back duo. I don't think we even talked about them. I know we, we said briefly, they're running the ball yeah, a lot. One but, A and one A. Yeah. Go read the piece by Matt two, I mean, They can inc- both be pro bowlers yeah. tomorrow. 
It's insane. Incredible, incredible running back duo, best in the league. Um, yeah, I say 12 wins. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, I mean, division aside, I look at tough games on the schedule. You got a late, dis- or you got, well, to start the season, uh, division aside, you got week three going down to Tampa. So you got the ba- you know Packers Bucks right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a Patriots game. Those can always be tough. Bill Belichick's still coaching, so that's never an easy game. Uh, you got a mm-hmm. Halloween weekend game against the Bills, uh, Cowboys game, and then the Rams in like late December or mid-December. So it's relatively fairly light. Um, I think those, when you look at it on paper, plus throw a Vikings game in there, like there's potential for five losses. That's where that 12 comes in. Um you know, easily, but I think they're a stronger team than that. I think they will certainly win a few of those games that I, you know, may not win all of them, but, uh, you know, the Bucks, Bills, uh, Rams too, that I just mentioned. So I'm feeling like I, you know, realistic win total, I'm looking 13 or 14 and having been in the conversation for home field advantage at some point, not some point for most of the season is where the Packers should expect to be and where I want them to be. That is a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to get home field advantage and we've been lucky. Well, yeah, we've been lucky to get it. I haven't done shit with it, but been lucky to get it the past few years. Um, <laughs> but it, it's where it should be. And, Definitely. and that's where this team should be is, is week in and week out looking at the standings and going, okay, what results need to happen for the Packers to maintain control of home field advantage? Uh, so I'm going to go 14 wins, um, lock up that number one or number two seed and cruise into the playoffs and hopefully win for the first time in the first round in more years than I'd like to say out loud. Quite some time. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, definitely realistic. 14 wins definitely makes sense to me. Um, like you said, couple tough sk- tuple, couple tough games in there. Division is always difficult. Also, another best case scenario for me. Bears beat the Packers at least once this season. That's best case scenario. We'll see how that that works out. Is Rodgers playing or not playing? Don't really care. I mean, my best case scenario. No, you know what? I would love to beat Rodgers because we never do that. So I would love for him to play and I would love to beat him. Um, It's been a while. Um, Okay, quickly, let's run through our... NFL award predictions. We did this last yeah. year. Um, I remember I, I, I was trying to remember a couple of them today, but I feel like we didn't do all that well. Yeah, I, I don't. We, you mentioned we, we changed the format up mostly because I didn't want to go back and count up how off I was on my NFL predictions last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the main reason. Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you had the Packers going like 16 and one. I'm last pretty season. sure and winning the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, yeah, look how well that turned out. Hey, listen. Hey, it's um, always next year, right? Uh, the curse of the curse of Evan. Uh, no. Um, so let's do. Let's go through the major ones. Uh, we'll start with MVP, NFL MVP. I have Justin Herbert. Um, Ooh, I think he's due to spicy. break through. Yeah, I think they've Not just spicy, built a. Like they've built a great team around that guy, and he is everything you would want in a twenty-four-year-old franchise quarterback so justin herbert is my mvp herbert to date has hit his best case scenario 
uh, as a draft prospect. That doesn't mean I don't think he can sustain it. I think he absolutely can. And I hope he keeps building on it because he's so fun to watch. He makes the Chargers fun to watch. He's amazing. Uh, It needs to be a two-team race out there in LA if we're going to have two horrible owners out there profiting from it. Um, Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, I... I I gotta go Homer. <laughs> I'm giving it to Rogers. It's fair. Give I mean, it that makes the most sense. I, I I feel like he's not getting. Uh, I was looking at the betting odds. He's not getting the love you think a back to back MVP would be getting. No, and it's because of his um, re- receiver like, situation. He's like fifth or sixth. Yeah. Right. But I don't see anything. I mean, so I, I currently have him and Herbert tied as plus nine hundred. But I think I think if yo. Know, as we talked about, best case scenario is what you want to happen. This team wins a Super Bowl or is, is winning, is competing for a Super Bowl. The receiving game is productive, and it's because the receivers have worked out the, the and the chemistry with Rodgers is there, and he's getting 35, 40 touchdowns and, and two, you know, two, three, four interceptions. And that is enough to win him MVP almost immediately. I'd say so. Um, uh, let's do Offensive Player of the Year. I have Justin Jefferson. Jay Another Jet. Justin. Okay. Jay Jet. I think the Vikings offense is going to thrive this year. Um, I think with Kevin O'Connell at, at the helm, no more Mike Zimmer, no more defense first. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to um, play very – I think he's like one of the best system quarterbacks in the league. And I think that if you put a good system in front of him, he's going to be able to thrive. You look at his numbers last year, I think and and I think Justin Jefferson is just gonna keep getting better. I think he could have a Cooper Cup esque season this year. Right. And that would not surprise me in the slightest. Well, there you go. JJ it is. Um I would go well on the way to the worst case scenario coming true or a part of the worst case scenario coming true for me, and, and that's the Packer the Vikings surpassing the Packers for the division. Um I am going to go with uh, – I, like, want to not be chalk here. Um, but I f- – you know what? I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. Wow. Feels like I'm going to hate that in about three weeks, but I'm going to do it. Um, I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I – I was gonna pick Russ for my MVP, but I just love Justin Herbert. So, but but Russ is my dark horse. MVP. Yeah, no, I mean the Broncos have certainly have the most national buzz around. I'd say them and the Raiders about like what's gonna happen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when you bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, who's are who's coming to a receiving group that has guys that have both already proven that they can do it. Like Judy and Sutton have had good seasons already in the NFL. Um, I think Sutton's the guy that has been most talked about. It seems like Russ and him are connecting big time. Uh, but I, I see the Broncos. I don't know if I see them competing in the grand scheme of the division because how the hell are you going to overseat Mahomes? And also you still have to compete with your MVP candidate in, in Herbert. But uh, I, I see them having a good season. I see them having a productive offensive season. And I see Cortland being the guy there. I think he's better than Judy. Um, as a complete receiver, uh, and mm-hmm. I think I think that's I think that's the guy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have some stake in the Broncos this year. I think Cortland Sutton's gonna be the offensive player of the year. 
I like it. Um, defensive player of the year. I'm going Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's a solid um, pick. He was rookie of the year last year, so that's yeah, defensive rookie of the year last year. He is a freak of nature. There is no other linebacker in the league like him. Um, and I think uh, I think he he jumps right up to defensive player of the year this year and uh, leads that Cowboys defense. I like that. Um, yeah. This, again, feels very Homer, but I really have not paid attention to any Browns. That's not true. I've paid attention to Browns this this, this offseason. But, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I mean, it's it's pretty chalk. Miles Garrett. This guy has yeah. like 10 sack seasons every year. He honestly deserves to have yeah. had more credit in the previous rookie or player of the year mm-hmm. conversations and hopefully should get one this year. Uh, yeah, I'm going Miles Garrett. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I had <laughs> I was remembering my picks last year. I had Chase Young. Um, that didn't get hurt defensive defensive player of the year. Yeah. Yeah, So he, uh, but I mean, you had miles Garrett last year and he was, I mean, he had 16 sacks. So, I mean, yeah, he was right there. If it wasn't for TJ Watt having like 20, I think he would have been damn it. And thankfully, Um, thankfully the Steelers defense does not look as strong. Well, no, that's not true. The Steelers defense looked perfectly strong this year. It's the offense. That is the worry part, worrying part for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. Uh, Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going with Drake London from Atlanta. Um, I Oof. think he is going to. I think he is going to be the number one slash two, probably two target there in that offense. It's not a lot of weapons uh, between him and Pitts. I feel like they're going to probably get like eighty percent of the targets this Easily. year. And I think I think London is going to prove why he was a first round pick and. Uh, Take home that rookie. I don't think the Falcons are going to be good okay. by any stretch of the imagination. I'd say, but I think Drake London will be good enough to win offensive rookie of the year. I, 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 I like him better than any of the other receivers, and I like him better than any of the running backs that have come out of this class. Interesting, uh, especially considering the two guys throwing him the ball this year are going to be Desmond Ritter and Marcus mm. Mariota. Those are bold claims oh, on know. your part. Um, yep. Yep. I am going to go with one of the running backs you skirted. I'm going to go with Brees Hall. Um, I think he's enough of a dynamic back on all parts of the ball. He can pass catch. He's shown his speed. He had a dominant season last year, albeit at Iowa State. Um, But there was a reason he was the most sought-after player in in dynasty formats this year and is one of the most talked-about rookies. He has talent. He has ability. The Jets team is questionable, just like the Falcons are questionable, especially when you have a equally equally as amusing quarterback debate of uh, Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson when he's healthy. Um, but I think I think running backs show more ability to produce in spite of the situation than wide receivers do. So I'm going to stick with Brees Hall and say, "Go Jets, go." Yeah, I mean, if I was going to pick a, a running back, it would have been him yeah. for sure. Um, defensive rookie of the year. This is probably the chalkiest pick I've had so far, but I'm going Aiden Hutchinson yep, me too. with Detroit. I think he is the most NFL ready, like defensive lineman who's come in in quite some time. He's fucking huge. Um, and I think he's going to immediately, immediately be like in the conversation. I think he could be like a Mike, Micah Parsons. Where next year when we're doing this, we're like this guy Aiden is, Hutchinson can win defensive player yeah. of the year. Like 
Yeah, he's the real. I agree with you there. Um, I mean, he's a stud. Uh, I think for this might be the last year that you might get a few next year, but so many of those players took extra seasons to develop with the COVID eligibility in college. Um, and he's one of the ones that benefited from it. He would have been off. He would have probably been probably in the draft the year before if he didn't get the COVID year of eligibility. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's, yeah, you said it. He's a physical specimen. You know, you watch him on hard mm-hmm. knocks. You six, see it. Six foot seven. Did you know that? Six foot seven. Oh, I thought there was another part coming there. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me the oh, weight. Six seven, two fifty, two fifty four. Yeah, and it's all muscle. There's not an ounce of fat on that boy. Um, he mm-hmm. he's a beast. He's in his hometown playing football, or as, I guess close close to his hometown. You can be. Um, it's it's going to be a fun story to watch him this year. The Lions' defense as a whole deserves a shout out. I don't know how many games they're going to win this year, but the defense they have is going to be like just good enough to piss you off when you watch them you know what i mean like you're yeah. gonna be like oh it's the mm-hmm. lions like we should win this like 41 27 or some shit and it's gonna be like 28 28 to 20 or something going into the fourth quarter like we haven't pulled it away yet what are we doing come on yeah. it's gonna be they're gonna and and against the right opposition that's gonna win them games so they're gonna be a they're for gonna sure. be a pest oh, from sure. back to front i i love i love the way they look on paper um uh, go lions i'm a big i mean you know aiden's aiden as you said is the easiest but you look at those odds yeah and you're like don't care get, so get that, anyways. that makes that just makes the yeah, most sense um okay um coach of the year i have um i have nathaniel hackett from denver, denver. yeah i i'm pretty high on denver i mean i won't go as far to say that they will like match the production of the last two um, promising teams to get um, a new quarterback, a like the Rams and Buccaneers the last two seasons. I don't know if you've heard that narrative. You know, Rams and Buccaneers each get established quarterbacks mm. brought into their teams and immediately win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't see the the Broncos quite doing that, nah. but I think Nathaniel Hackett is going to show why he was the guy who. I know he wasn't, you know, LaFleur was the one who was really the offensive mastermind, but Nathaniel Hackett had a huge part in that. And I think that he's going to mesh so well with Russell Wilson. I think they're going to be, honestly, like I know you said, like, how can they compete in a division with Patrick Mahomes? But Patrick Mahomes does not have the same team that he's had the last couple of years. Um, His best receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, obviously. But I think... I think the Broncos are going to be right up there. Um, I think they'll be, I'd say, safely wild card. Oh yeah, um, that's fine. I, and, for the record, I didn't say how uh, can yeah, they compete. I, think, I just I don't. I see the Chiefs. No, being no, the I know, but like it's tough it's, for sure. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have Hackett as my coach of the year. It's a solid pick. Um, I am going full on the hard knocks hype. Dan Campbell. He was my. That was my. I was debating between those yeah. two. Dan Campbell. This is the year it pays off. Uh, there's a lot of good oh, analytical, yeah. smart guys that have been hired into positions. Brandon Staley. You mentioned Hackett. Um, but I, he is a coach that gets people to buy in very quickly. Um, I mean, you see it 
if you watch an episode of Hard Knocks, you see it. Even if you haven't, you've heard his press conferences, you've seen the clips. Players love that mentality and love that attitude. They mm-hmm. have talent in in good places. They, they're not a complete roster yet, but that's a team that many could look at and you know you look at the face of it and say that's a three four win team. And he could get him to six seven, and and that might be enough where they're competing in games and they're constantly around and they're as I said, just you know not not being put away early in games. And that turns into a few wins and wins turn into happiness in the locker room. And that might turn into another extra win or two. And next thing you know, like they're a semi-relevant team and, and he wins coach of the year. I mean, that's, that's really the timeline I see. And yeah. I, I don't see it being uh, like out of like an, a, a long shot. Like it, it seems very attainable. No, for sure. I think he's like the, the, the like hipster pick. Yeah. Right kind of. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, the betting odds are with a guy like Brandon Staley, um, with a Kyle Shanahan, um, guys of that of that ilk. Um, but I think that Dan Campbell is a great pick, and he was my he. I was like I said, I was teetering between Campbell and uh, and Hackett, but I, I leaned Hackett. Yeah, Staley's Staley's um, the favorite. Uh, he's at fourteen hundred, and I got I got currently what I'm looking at. I got five guys at sixteen hundred, and Campbell's one of them. For sure. Um, then, last but certainly not least, Super Bowl predictions. I found this to be difficult. I mean, I it's know hard. like it's obviously it's it's obviously difficult, just like before you see anyone play. But this year, especially, I felt I saw I like was like. I don't know. Like it's it's a kind of a wide open season. It really is, especially um, in the AFC, which is the first time you've been able to say that in a while. Hmm. Um, but I went with uh, out of the NFC, I went with the Buccaneers. Oh. And out of the AFC, I went with the Los Angeles Chargers. Dang, you're high um, on them. And huh? I have the and and I have the Chargers winning. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just like you look at their roster, it is filled with just stars. Oh, yeah. Like legitimate stars like Herbert, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh their offensive line is fantastic. You have on the defensive side of the ball, they brought in Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. Um, you have Derwin James in the secondary, you have um Joey Bosa on the defensive mm-hmm. line, like this is a team that is just filled with stars. And I, it reminds me a lot of last year's Los Angeles Rams team. Yeah. They're certainly um, trying just, to replicate that model. Yeah. A lot of studs. And I think that, I mean, it's not going to be easy. They're in a, the best division in football. They're going to play six games this season against top tier competitors outside of, you know, not even, you know, their non-division schedule is going to be tough. I'm sure. But I think the Chargers have what it takes to go from, you know, last year they were the last day of the season fighting for a playoff spot. They obviously lost out. But I think this year they have what it takes to win that division and um, ride it to the Super Bowl in Arizona. It's very cliche to say this, but you named a lot of stars, but you also named a lot of guys who have dealt with plethoras of injuries. And I say that for each one of those Mm. players, Um, you know, Derwin James, massive injury question marks. Khalil Mack getting up in there in age and already had injury issues of himself. Bosa missed half mm-hmm. his rookie season with injury. Um, I mean, there's guys across that board who have, and that's my only worry with them is that I For think sure. the injuries 
have the potential to really snake bite their season. Uh, but I would love, I mean, I'm going to be trying to find any Chargers game I can watch. They have a very, very exciting roster, a very exciting potential. As you said, AFC West football will be must watch this year from top to bottom. There mm-hmm. was really, I mean, you know, I, I say first thing that comes to your mind, who's coming last in that division and how much are they going? How many games are they winning? Yeah. I mean, I would like Raiders yeah. and I'd say like they win nine right. games. Like, there's, you know, you got to look at their schedule because they all got to play each other twice. But there's a very real world when where there's four of those teams with more than a 20 percent odd at a playoff spot coming into the final mm-hmm. stretch of the season and it, and have have all of it to play for. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I it's a, it's a bold pick, uh, but. If they stay healthy, I, I don't see why they can't do it. They certainly maybe not at key positions like like Herbert in a playoff spot, but they have enough depth and enough guys who have been in around championship caliber teams to be able to do it themselves. Uh, good outside pick. I like that. For sure. Um, I have struggled over this one um, mostly because I don't want to set my expectations. As we said, my team has Super Bowl expectations. Um and I think, you know, you look at the playoff success of the past four or five seasons and longer, and they haven't tasted any besides one season, basically. And it makes it really, really hard to sit here uh, and in good faith pick the Packers. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going Packers and I'm going from the AFC. I think I'm going Bills. Uh, Josh Allen is that guy. Um, He's shown he can do it. He can do it in all types of weather. He can do it. You know, I I wish they had a more confident running game. That wasn't just him that I could believe in. Uh, But they do have Singletary shown he can do it in spurs. And I think they drafted a guy to compete with uh, Moss. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but you know, you look at those receivers, you have digs, you have, uh, Gabe Davis, you have Dawson Knox, the tight end, you have, um, McKenzie. And there's another name I'm missing. I don't know who it is, but, uh, good guys. Yeah. They got weapons, good, Tons good of weapons. receivers, good offense, the defense, they beefed up big time. Whether you think Von Miller will stay healthy enough to fulfill all his contract or not, they really all need him for one year to make it count. And I'm saying that this is the year I mm-hmm. think they get all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, and again, I just, I hate to say who I pick is winning, but I, I, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a podcast between the two of us if one of us wasn't being an absolute ridiculous homer. So I'm going to say Packers over the Bills, 2023 Super Bowl champions. They finally the the what were we saying? The ayahuasca is enough to eradicate the postseason demons in Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' mind, and and we finally get the payoff he's looking for. And probably at that point he would retire and walk off into the sunset. I feel like I think if he if if yeah, he gets one more, sure. no matter when it comes, I think that's enough for him to be like. I'm done and just walk away. It was a good run. Yeah. yeah. For I, I completely because agree. Let's be I real. think I mean, that there's no, this is the last, there's nothing else for him to accomplish. Yeah, there's nothing else for him to accomplish point. on paper. You could, I mean, super bowls mean everything and people will always have that conversation to the day you die. But on paper, you could argue he has a more decorated solo career, probably the most decorated solo career of an, of a quarterback, right? Like excluded rings. Like I'm talking MVPs, individual honors. Um, but, oh. 
you know, he'll never win the debate in the grand scheme of things because Brady's got seven rings, which is one of the most of any sport of, of, of all time. So, but I think he's at the point where regardless of what happens, the end of this contract is the last contract he signs. I don't think, I don't see him playing beyond it. I, and it probably ends sooner than that. So I'm going to say it happens this year. He says, thank you for the memories. I'm out. I'm going to go have Incan retreats in the, you know, whatever I, desolate corner of the world. He wants to just be a hippie in for the rest of his life. Uh, but yes. It won't be in Green Bay. That's for dang sure. <laughs> He'll be back a few times, maybe, but yeah. very rarely. I like it. It's a good way to go out for him. Well, no, I don't. No, I shouldn't say I like it. I do not like Would that. you take one more Super Bowl um, if it meant the reign of terror was over? Like, what's more enjoyable? I mean, the fact that yes. they have perennial, like, they're still winning the division and beating up on you all the time, or that there's one more year of suffering and then it goes back to a wide open division again? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll, I guess I'll take the, the, the second one. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't think of the, uh, was it the latter or the former? Yeah, the, um, rocker, <laughs> the rocker, the rocker, hard place, right? It's the it's it's yeah, the latter so in that I, case. It's the 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 former's yeah, the first, I mean, the latter's I, the last. I would take the second for it to. I would take that to be the the end of of it all. Um, that would be, yeah, that would be nice. Chicago and, and but, Milwaukee could for once hold their hands and rejoice in unity. We'd all be so happy if he announced once he announced at that press conference that he was he was heading out <laughs> and you know fucking off for the rest of our <laughs> lives um but yeah uh we're super excited football's back we will be back to weekly post-game uh podcasts and uh sunday pregame oh yeah we'll have to discuss we'll have to discuss i think we can sunday make that instagram happen. live pregame i think we can make that happen we can definitely make i think we can i think we can um but as always thanks everybody for listening you know where to find us, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, leave a five-star review, share with the people in your life, share with a stranger. If you see a stranger on the street, tell them, listen to the Warren 94, anywhere you find podcasts. Um, that's Evan. I am Frank. We are the Warren 94. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>